Under Kentucky Moon, the family farm gets a brewery. Today, stealing Sierra Nevada from your father's fridge is a good thing because it set Keegan on a path to start a brewery on the family farm. We talk farmhouse ales, crafting beer from the land, and emphasize the importance of creating a place for conversation. All this under a full moon in the smallest county in Kentucky. Now it's time for some fun. Our guest today is Keegan, co-owner slash brewer of Turtleback Ridge Brewing in Robinston County, Kentucky. The brewery itself is about an hour northeast of Lexington and makes for an incredibly relaxing and scenic drive. Because it is a way out, Keegan is graciously letting me set up my van on the farm for the night. It's got me feeling like... I slow down and turn left onto a gravel road. I continue straight for a good five minutes. As the van dips and rises with the land, I open my windows to let the quiet of the country in. Then I see it. A medium-sized building with a large deck, tables set up outside, and two large, friendly dogs greeting people. I park my van to set it up for the night and see Keegan walking towards me with a smile. We meet, and immediately I know he's kind, curious, but above all, genuine. My kind of person, I think to myself. After saying the obligatory hi to the dogs, we walk through the tap room and into the brewery. We start talking over some beers, and Keegan brings me a table to set up my gear. Keegan pours me another delicious kolsch that he made, and I hand him an oak-rested lager from our friends at the Cellarist down in Asheville. We cheers, and we begin to talk. How's it going, man? What's going well? It's nice to be with you now. Nice to be with you, too. I just pulled into your beautiful long gravel driveway and i feel like i'm in a location it's yeah awesome. yeah you gotta you gotta be committed to get here it's about a half mile long gravel drive so yeah. you gotta know you want to be here to get here <laughs> speaking of getting here let's talk a little bit about how you got here why, why are we sitting here right now what's your what's your story uh so the long and the short of it is i grew up on this farm and uh throughout my journey at college, realized that I wanted to come back to the farm and make a living out here. And so we do a variety of things uh, as far as uh, farming goes. We produce maple syrup. We grow a variety of fruits and vegetables. And uh, I've been homebrewing since before I went to college when I brewed with my dad for the first time uh, on the kitchen stove over at the house. And uh, the... Oh. Tap room is kind of just the next extension of trying to make a living out of the farm. So, sure. 
All right. And how did you how did you get into craft beer? Well, my here. dad was a craft beer head from way back. Um, I kind of got into it by stealing his Sierra Nevada Pale Ale out of the fridge as a teenager. Naturally. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, and uh, he got into it, you know, from just seeking more flavorful beer. And he also went on a bike trip in England and got to go to a bunch of pubs and, and drink Cascale uh, from, you know, all these quaint little English pubs and just like had this phenomenal experience. And I think that kind of sent him on this journey of like, I got to figure out how to make this at home. Yeah. Uh, and then coming back home, you know, he did some home brewing and this and that, and also was seeking uh, craft beer in the States. And, you yeah. know, of course came across Sierra Nevada and, and various other old school craft beers uh so my story kind of starts with his story and um yeah. tied together yeah. sierra nevada is a hell of a beer to dive into <laughs> at first <laughs> yeah yeah i mean as a teenager Baptized by fire right yes. right well you know it's it's what's available you know as a kid it's like well there's beer in the fridge and i'm going to catch a buzz so that seems yeah. fun and and it turned out that it, it was a world-class beer and it set my palate on a journey to uh pursue you know mm. all kinds of different flavors so it was, yeah. it was kind of a happy accident in a way so let's talk a little bit about the founding of turtleback and how that came about what you want this space to be uh you know there's a myriad of reasons of course i feel like uh anybody that runs a small business is invested uh for for several different reasons i mean one of the fundamental ones for us is Building a community space in this area. I mean, we're in Robertson County, Kentucky. It's the smallest county in the state. Uh, Mount Olive, it's county seat. There's one stop sign in the county seat. There's not a lot going on here. It's a beautiful county. There's a lot of opportunity, but there aren't a lot of public gathering spaces. Yeah. Um, so having you know a local tavern for people to gather and build community is one of the big things. I also love making beer. Uh, I love this farm and being able to work with my family and produce things that I think are of value and uh, and taste really good is just something that I really enjoy. Uh, so, you know, community, working with family, producing products that uh, are, to my palate, very good and um, welcoming to all different types is, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of community, your neighbors followed me in here. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got so, friends from Iowa. It basically yeah. follows you all the way from there, right? <laughs> and I was talking to what is his name's, uh, I don't want to say his name on the podcast, but, um, but yeah, he's like, I'm, if he wasn't going to Turtleback, I was going to call him to make sure that he goes and sees Kagan. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I think we got a good reputation among our neighbors. So that, that's a good sign, I think, that he wanted to bring you out. That is to feel good. That is to feel yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the most gratifying things is knowing that, you know, we have people out, they have an exceptional or at least a good experience, and then they want to tell people about it and say, like, hey, you can go out in the woods in the middle of nowhere, yeah. have world-class beer, sit with people that you never would have run into anywhere else, have a nice conversation, and just, you know, kind of bask in the glory of that, the novelty of the space. It's kind of, yeah, it's real special for me. You know, having a beer on your own can be really nice, but sharing it with a friend is, you know, really where it kind of becomes exalted and, and yeah. more special. I want to say that again quickly. Having a beer by yourself can be nice, but sharing it with a friend 
is really where it becomes exalted. After the interview, I hung around for a while, and this mentality Keegan held became apparent to me. He would know people's names, know what they ordered, and the people in and out of the tap room on the deck seemed to genuinely appreciate Keegan and each other. Time passed. I got to know the regulars, got to know the dogs a little bit more, <laughs> and one of them would continuously follow me to and from my van. I wish I remembered his name. But this is the moment that I find hard to forget looking back. When night came, Keegan, I, and a few others sat together and we listened to each other's music recommendations while sitting outside on the porch. It was perfect. We had drinks in hand, music playing, the sound of a country night in the background, and a full, bright Kentucky moon illuminating the scene. And as we were sitting there, I thought about what Keegan said. Having a beer by yourself can be nice, but sharing it with friends is really where it becomes exalted. Let's talk about beer and community with Keegan. I believe you use the word lubricant, the social lubricant, <laughs> but it, it very much is. It's, it's, a, it's a tool in some ways to get to know people better. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, part of the difficulty in our modern era is there's a lot of a divisiveness and we're all very isolated and cloistered into our digital spheres. Uh, and maybe even more so in these rural spaces where there aren't a lot of community gathering spaces. So having a community gathering space that has the social lubricant of beer um, that kind of allows for people that might not have conversations online to run into each other and to realize that, hey, there's a human behind that account that I've just been mad at and shitting all over and just pissed off. And all of a sudden you just run into him. And you have a very deeply human conversation. You're just like occupying space together. And that kind of diffuses some of that divisiveness and some of that yeah. tension and allows for a, a more nuanced and like meaningful community experience than, than maybe a lot of people can have online. I don't yeah. Know. Deeply human. I think that's yeah. a great way to put it. I do want to ask about the, the beers that you brew here. You dove into Sierra Nevada right away. Mm -hmm. What led you to brewing what you are doing now? What is it? Uh, so our towards. variety of beer, uh, it ranges right now from a Kolsch to a maple oatmeal stout. We have eight taps. I try and keep a good variety of, uh, styles on the board. You know, I try and, you know, the Kolsch is a flagship. It's going to be, you know, it's light, it's easy going. Yeah. It's going to be accessible to people that aren't that into craft beer, uh, but want to have a beer and hang out. Uh, so that, you know, that's one end of the spectrum. That's what you I'm know. drinking right now. It's fantastic. Well, thank you. I'm glad yeah. you like it. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, having started with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, I've definitely got a sweet spot for hops in my heart. So mm. uh, I always keep what we call the Warbler IPA on tap. It's kind of a classic American IPA. It's a little malty. Uh, brewed with Cascade and Centennial, you're going to get some of that pine and resin note and then just like a nice clean bitterness to dry it all out. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like uh, where my brewing heart lies is definitely in the farmhouse realm. And that uh, to me, I define all my farmhouse beers by the way they were fermented. So I have a house culture that anything that I'm going to call a farmhouse is fermented with. And that's inoculated into a variety of uh, oak barrels, predominantly oak barrels okay. uh, that we have in the cellar downstairs. 
And um, so typically we'll have Farmhand's Table, which is a lighter farmhouse ale brewed with local Hickory King corn from Sunflower Sundries and uh, local malted barley from South Fork Malt House. And it's kind of like an entry-level farmhouse. It's super quaffable, a little bit tart, a little bit funky, yeah, very easygoing, 5%, you know, just sit with it all day kind of thing. So I thought it was important to quickly go over what a farmhouse traditionally entails. The term farmhouse ale is kind of an umbrella term, gathering many unique substyles under its shade. The most notable, which I'll highlight, are the Cezanne and the Beer de Garde. I'll say this, although each style is different, they all tend towards having similar IBUs, or bitterness, ABVs, or alcohol by volume, and, in many cases, character. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes. Generally, in winter, farmers would take the barley that they grew and make malt to brew it for summer drinking after days in the field. In my view, at least, they would go perfectly after a hard day's work. I wanted to give a extremely brief background because farmhouse ales are traditionally intimately tied with what Keegan and I are about to discuss, which is connecting the beer you make to the land. We're, we're on a farm right now, obviously. So yeah. does that it ring important to you is using locally sourced ingredients to the extent that you can't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, by farms. Yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, in tandem with the whole community aspect of the brewery, there's the agricultural aspect of beer being an agricultural product. Uh, so yeah, we have tons of local farmers, you know, that grow a litany of things, uh, Sunflower Sundries, like I said, grows the corn. South Fork Malt House out of Cynthiana grows and malts the barley. And being able to use those ingredients, uh, we grow a small amount of hops ourselves. I use a fair number of wild forage things from the woods. For instance, like wild rose root and spice bush. Uh, elderflower is going to oh, wow. be in a new release. Uh, so kind of bringing beer back to its agricultural root and sure. making it known that, you know, like as much as it's become an industrial commodity, it is still very much a product of the soil, you know, growing up on a farm, having parents that were very much homesteaders and like we grew up eating out of the garden and we have orchards and, mm. and those kind of ideas and, and ways of relating to the land are very much integral to how I relate to beer and trying to bring that story back to the fore is very much important. Uh, to me being, you know, a farmhouse brewer and then, you know, for the farmhouse in particular using you know, that house culture was actually started from yeast and bacteria that we harvested here on the farm through a cool ship method, very much like the Belgian, you know, Lambic and Goose production. Yep. Um, and then, you know, from there, I've integrated uh, different cultures actually from some young lambic or different bottles that I like the culture of and this and that. But yeah, that tie back to the land is very fundamental to my brewing philosophy as much as it can be. I mean, of course, sure. I can't make a Kentucky grown Kolsch because I can't grow the hops that I want to use for that on a scale that would be feasible. But I do make once a year a wet hop ale with hops that we grow and okay. 
uh, barley from South Fork Malt House, and you know, so yeah, that that whole idea is very important to me. <laughs> cool, I love it. Is is that what's special about this area of Kentucky to you? That uh, uh, the agricultural history, yeah, you mean? Yeah. I, that, yeah, I mean, I think that, and you know, the diversity of folks that are around here. Like, I think there's an oversimplification of rural Kentucky that kind of couches it in this like bass backwards mm. the the country bumpkin kind of trope thing and there's actually a lot more richness and depth and diversity than people really understand is here and um so yeah the agricultural history is important i mean you know, there's also a lot of rot history in the area there's no overrot history there's no doubt i mean blue licks battlefield was a battlefield and that was horrific and brutal and mm. you know there's all that too yeah, absolutely yeah I'm, I'm gonna wind down with a question that i ask everybody what keeps you going why do you why are you doing what you're doing i mean i think i'm kind of beating a dead horse but i'm just gonna say community i mean it mm. really is getting to spend time with people and build relationships with folks that I don't know that we would have run into without this open space for people to gather yeah. and uh, definitely having the social lubricant of beer doesn't hurt but uh, yeah. yeah and I don't know to get to make a living off the place that I grew up is mm. uh, immensely gratifying and I spend every day working with my mom and dad and Jen, our head bartender, who's basically family. And like, yeah. um, yeah, there's just, there's just so much love and joy. And, uh, I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to spend time and abide in that. You know, I hope it works out. I hope we make it and we can all continue to do it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that love is tangible here. I was, I was saying when I walked in, I just felt comfortable, you know, it's a special place and a special beer. And I want to thank you so much for, for talking with me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I enjoyed having you and, yeah. uh, look forward to hanging out with you more. Absolutely, man. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. I'll always look back at my time with Keegan, his dogs, his neighbors, and the land we talked on with fondness. I'll go back to that quote by Keegan. Having a beer by yourself can be nice, but sharing it with a friend is really where it becomes exalted. It's not, and never was, the beer that makes the occasion special. It's the place you are, the people you're with, and the experience you're having that make the occasion exalted. And in my view, sipping a beer on a cherished family farm, surrounded by new friends, two funny dogs, and under a bright Kentucky moon, is pretty much as good as it gets. Thank you so much for listening to the Beer Nomad podcast. If you find value in this show, it helps a lot. It helps the show grow if you rate and subscribe wherever you're listening now. Additionally, you can follow along visually at my Instagram at the Beer Nomad Van. Thank you to Keegan for the hospitality, for the great beer, for everything. That is it for this week. Drink good beer and be good to each other. Cheers. <laughs>